coming up on The Potter's Touch. Said, I will give you houses that you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't even grow. I'm going to put you in a position that you didn't even have to work for. But somebody's going to lower their wings and you're going to step into your place. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm excited to have this opportunity to bring the word of the Lord to you. And this is a powerful word out of my series on SOAR. You know, my books and my ministries and my teachings have all been focusing on causing you to soar in every area of your life. And not just you, but your children and your children's children too. We have to have successors, or we don't really have success. Now let's go to the word of God, the message out of the Sore series, the next generation could be you. Even Jesus didn't start his ministry until somebody pointed him out. John said, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. You can't point yourself out. You can't stir your own nest. You can't ride in on your own wings. Somebody has to lower their wings, for they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm the, I can show you better than I can tell you. I can show you better than I can tell you. Touch everybody say, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? Here it is, let me show you what's next. See, the interesting thing about the Bible is that it correlates to Bergman's rule. If you, ticked, if you tag team Bergman's rule with Klibler's rule, what you see is the larger the environment, the larger the species. Therefore, I go to the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. The Bible is comprised of 3,116,480 letters. Those letters are then condensed into 783,137 words. Those words are then filleted over 31,102 verses, but then those verses are then packaged into what we call chapters, 1,189 chapters. There are 66 books, but your life is supposed to be the 67th book. Your life is supposed to be the epistle that is read of men. But how can your life be the epistle that is read of men if you don't know the Word of God? Before we approach our text, we see that we have skipped over the 50 chapters of the book of Genesis, which the main portion being in Genesis 1 and 26 saying that man should have dominion and power and authority. Does anybody have authority? We have moved past the 40 chapters of the book of Exodus where the children of Israel were supposed to be exiting Egypt. But what we see is that they exited Egypt physically, but mentally they were still. Oh, sound like you've been to Egypt before. We have moved past the 27 chapters of the book of Leviticus where they learn how to live holy and walk according to the Lord's statutes. And now when we approach the book of Numbers, what we see is this book is about disobedience. Are you going to obey God 
or are you going to do your own thing? It's not enough for you to know the Word of God if you're not going to obey it. When we approach the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers, these 36 chapters are really crushed into this one specific chapter. This chapter is getting ready to tell us everything we need to know. Why? Because the first thing that happened is that the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and told him to go get 12 spies to spy out the land. See, you missed it right there because I said, who, who told Moses? God, the one who's so big, if he stomped his foot, there'd be an earthquake. God, the one who, if he turned, there'd be a tornado. God, if he cleared his throat, he could create a tsunami. God, if he combed his hair, there'd be snow over the continent of Africa. God, who I believe he made the first three-pointer because that's why Saturn has a ring around it. God, who's watching over you. God, who's watching over your children. God, who's blessing you. God, who's about to show you a brand new land. God, who's about to take you from the... Oh, God, I... I... I, I didn't mean to start this quick, but somebody's about to go from Egypt to the promised land. But I can't talk about Egypt or talk about the promised land because somebody is in the middle. See, what you understand, what you got to see is somebody's life has been spinning and spinning and spinning. And you're hearing everybody talk about sore, but you're just trying to pay your bills and keep the mortgage right, watch over your kids. You're just trying to make sure you don't get fired in the cubicle. You're just trying to make sure you read the Bible and pray. You're just trying to make sure you don't give up, collapse, and quit, or cuss, or fight. Do I have anybody who is a real Christian in this place? And what happens is your world is spinning and spinning and spinning. This is the wilderness situation. They were in the desert. Imagine these hijabs trying to keep the sun and the grit and the dirt out of their nose and their eye, and all of a sudden, Moses, the leader, Bishop begins to tell you, go spy out the land. How in the world is he telling you to soar and you're not even out of debt yet? How in the world is he telling you to soar and you're still trying to keep? You're, some of you are in the middle. You're, in, you're, you're not an employee, but you're not really an employer yet. You're in this middle where you hustle on the side. See, when you go from an employee to an employer, there, there is no sick time. There is no extra extended lunches, no, no extra breaks. You have to make it on your own. I came to the people who are trying to make it on their own. I got a word for you. You're in the land of confusion. You're in the middle, and your mind is confused. And I want to talk to you about the confusion that your mind faces in the particular moments that I have been allotted. What happens is your mind is spinning and spinning and spinning, and what the devil is trying to do is keep you from going to the next level. Confusion is the thing that the enemy uses to keep you from going to the it's your season to go to the next dimension. But how do you go to the next dimension? Well, I just want to give you one point. The way you clear up confusion is with confrontation. You must, it was, these were farmers. It was so dry in the desert. They couldn't farm. They couldn't eat. God says, don't worry about it. I'll let quail come out in the night. Don't worry about it. I'll wake you up with fresh bread in the morning. I'll be a pillow of a cloud in the day. I'll be fire at night. God says, I got everything covered. They had no problem in the might of God. Their problem was with God using them. You can believe in Bishop and First Lady, Dr. James and all the pastors, but woe be unto you if you don't believe God for yourself. They tell you not to point in public speaking, but I'm pointing at you. You have a job to believe God for yourself. As I try to 
take this to a brief close. I want to tell you that God who has begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. I want to tell you that there's no reason for you being confused because God is going to confuse your enemy. Bishop, I, I, I wasn't going to tell this story. I, I wasn't going to tell it. I wasn't going to tell this story, but the Holy Ghost dropped something on me, and I got 30 seconds before they take me out of here, y'all. Y'all better be praying for me. Are y'all praying for me? I remember years ago as a teenager, me and my brother, we lived in a very rough neighborhood. And one night we found ourselves face to face with a gunman. I looked at the barrel, I looked at my brother. He looked at me, we looked at the barrel. The guy looked at us and he, we looked at the barrel. The guy looked at us and we looked at the barrel. And this guy with a big gun kept pointing and pointing. And to him, he was shooting and shooting. But I found out that the gun was jammed. God is going to confuse your enemies. Give God some praise today. That's right. Give him the praise. Today, the bishop has set us up with our scriptures. And my assignment this morning is to talk about transition. Who's in transition this morning? Yeah, yeah. Transition is a simple, it has a simple definition. It's passing from one state or a stage to another place or state or stage. Simple definition, hard to do. Look at your neighbor and say, it's simple, but it's hard. The children of Israel were in the state of transition. They had left Egypt, they were in the wilderness, and they knew what the promise was. They knew what the promise was, but they could not make their way to the promised land. After having been enslaved for 400 years, they could not comprehend the transition from being prisoners in a land to being the possessors of a land. If you are having trouble with transition, there are three things that can easily affect the success of your transition because God is trying to take you somewhere and you are pulling back. You don't want to go, but he's going to take you kicking and screaming. You're going to go. You're going to transition or die. That's what the children of Israel discovered. Three things. People, people will affect your success of transition. There are people who will cut you because when you start learning to transition, you're going to, you're going to stumble. You're going to try and fail. And then you're going to start making moves and you're going to start gaining ground. And they're going to say, you different. You changing. You think you special. They're going to do the work for They're going to cut you. Then there are people who you are going to cut. You're going to, they're going to be such a distraction to you. As soon as you tell them your dream for your new business or the ministry that God has birthed in your life, they're going to say, what? That's too big. You think you got that? I don't know if you can do it. They are your destiny blockers and your dream killers. They are going to distract you, detract you, and delay you from the process because you got to go through the process. If you don't do it, you're not going to make it to the promised land. They will bug you and you will cut them. The third person are the people who are partners. You know, or you already know who they are. You tell them, this is my dream, and they say, I already see it. What do you need? How can I help you? Hi. 
Happy New Year, everybody. This is the time of year where we start determining our New Year's resolutions. And instead of making a resolution you know you won't be able to keep, why don't you make this the year you launch your business? There's no better time than right now to get your vision off the ground. If you have a passion and desire to start a new business, to build a church, to be a missionary, whatever it is, don't wait any longer. My new book, SOAR, is for you. SOAR addresses the prep, power, and planning for those who seek to soar in life, in business, and church leadership. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you finish. I want to help you turn your dreams into reality. So pick up a copy of SOAR today and start your new year off right. transition is a place, not a physical place, but a place here where your memories and your emotions collide. You know that place, when you hear that one song, it takes you all the way back to that place. You know where you were, you know what you were doing, and you know who you were doing it with. The Bible says they lusted. They said, we could just go back there. We're scared. We are afraid of what is ahead of us, what God says he has promised, because we have to do the work. We don't want to fight. We, we want the promise, but we don't have to fight. We don't want to fight for it. So they lusted after the past. They lusted after something that wasn't even good. So what is it that in your life, that, that is a place in your life that's here? It's not when you won, a, a, won a, the cheerleader of the year. It's not when you became the first person to graduate from, your, from, from college in your family, but it's a bad place. It's that place where they did it to you, but you're the one that feels guilty. It's that place where you are the financial executor in your company and the police came, the sheriff came back and put locks on your house. It's that place. So when the Israel said, when the Israel said, we look like grasshoppers, it's because they were in that place. That place will affect your success of transition. And the last place, the last thing is your point of view. You got to change your mindset. You have got to change the way you think, the way you look. If you are a grasshopper, they will think you are a grasshopper. All of the delegated 12 spies, they saw all the same thing. They saw the promise. They saw the problems. Ten came back and said, it's a setback. The other two came back and said, we've got a solution. They decided they were going to fight. They were ready to go and get it. Get it done. you got to start seeing yourself like God sees you. He says you are the lender, not the borrower. You are the head and not the tail. If you change your mindset, you can change this world. Finally, I was in the car wash. I was working this week and I had a lot to do, so I ran through the car wash and I was in line and I was, I was multitasking, I wasn't paying attention. I heard the attendant say, lady, move on up. I moved up and because I am vertically challenged, I cannot see on top of my uh, car hood. And he was telling me to move my wheel gears over so it can get in alignment with the conveyor belt. See, when you're in transition, you got to get in alignment with what God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to take you somewhere, and you keep pulling back. 
Once I got in alignment, I put my foot off the brake, I put my car in neutral, I turned the windshield wipers off, and I just sat back and let God take me through the process. Because when I go, when I come out, it won't be the same as when I went in. One more thing in my closing. This generation, there was a car in, my, in the car wash, there was a car in front of me, and there was a car behind me. God said, a generation has already come before you. There's one coming after you. If you don't get in your place of transition, they got to wait 20, 40 years before they can walk in their spot. My question is to you, what are you waiting on? Get in transition so God can change the world through you. And so... The conclusion of the whole matter concerning the source series is this. There appears to be a discrepancy between the story and the text. The story of flight teaches us that man begins by walking on the land, accelerates down a runway, and crescendos in flight. Isaiah argues the point and says, conversely, that the eagle begins in a high place in a nest, descends down to a run, and concludes walking and not fainting. This suggests to me, my dearly beloved brothers and sisters of the congregation, that while the success of man is measured in his ability to fly, uh, the eagle's uh, touchstone is instead in his or her ability to land. Bishop, we saw you go to the White House for the first time. We heard you preach the gospel that snatched souls out of a burning hell. We were born in a lofty place. It's expected of us to be able to fly. The question is, as with the children of Israel, who were brought out on eagle's wings, is can you land? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of writing books that nobody's reading. I don't want to preach another message in my living room that nobody's listening to but me. I can't start a business that's not turning a profit. I'm ready to land. So I thought it would be apropos that I would resist the temptation to put on my Sunday's finest and instead come to you as a fighter pilot, fighter pilot instructor and give you a few lessons in landing. If you're ready, say amen. amen. If you're going to do something for God, if you're going to get what God has for you, sometimes you have to do it fighting. So let me give you a couple of war tactics on fighting. Number one, you've got to have the right fighting attitude. Think it not strange that people like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and Jay-Z are successful as entrepreneurs because they grew up as young men with attitudes. They can't use the same tactics but they still have to have the fighting attitude. The children said, we were grasshoppers in our own sight and so were we in theirs. But I'm wondering if we have uh, any CWAs in the room. Uh, that's Christians with attitudes who made up in their minds that I'm going into the enemy's camp and I'm gonna take back what the devil stole from me. If that's you, make some noise. I think Steve Harvey would say it like this. You've got to be able to think like an eagle and fight like a chicken. The second war tactic I want to give you is you can't just fight in the boardroom or the, 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 uh, the courtroom, but you've got to be able to fight in the prayer room. Yeah. Pastor Moon, I think I figured out why we never see God's name mentioned in the book of Esther. I think his name is never mentioned in the book of Esther because he didn't have to be mentioned in the book of Esther. Bishop, they didn't even, they didn't even pray. It just said that they went on a three-day fast and put the devil on the run. What they understood was that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. 
I know it's a little old school. I know it's a little old fashioned, but we've got to go back to fasting and praying and calling on the name of Jesus. When I get in trouble, I do silly stuff like start sowing seeds. And, hallelujah. Do we have any fighters in the room? Somebody say fight. I want to encourage you with a little boy that I went to high school with. He had one good arm and he had a nub. He would carry the football in the good arm and he would stiff arm you with the nub. I made the mistake of trying to tackle the young fella in practice and he stiff armed me with that nub and he about knocked me into a concussion and broke my collarbone. It was at that point that I realized that there is a weapon in your weakness. They tell me, Bishop, that the F-16 plane does not qualify to land on a, on, a, on, a, on a Marine ship because their wings won't fold. There's a certain blessing that you only qualify for when you're broken. For I heard a preacher say that he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, then he gave the bread. Do I have any wounded winged eagles in the house? So this wounded wing brings me to my second do it, and, and, and that's just do it anyway. This lesson is brought to us by my colleague, Captain Sully Sullenberg, who, who set out on a flight one uh, January afternoon in a cold, brisk wind from LaGuardia Airport. And the local birds had an attitude about him flying in their territory, and they flew over and took out his engines. But Captain Sully brings a message to my my sage, my, 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 my seasoned eagles this morning, who the devil's been telling you, you can't do what you used to do because you don't have what you used to have. But Captain Sully looked at the birds and said, I can't do what I used to do because I don't need to do what I used to do. Take my engines, I'm landing anyway. Take the runway, I'm landing anyway. He didn't even let down his landing gear. He just let down his flaps. Somebody say flap. Flap with your broke wing self. You gotta fly and flap. Somebody say fly and flap. Fly. I'm bankrupt, but I'm flapping. <laughs> My credit is bad, but I'm flapping. You might not like it, but I'm going to flap anyway. Somebody say fly. Uh-oh. If you got an anyway praise, I got about 10 seconds for you to give God an anyway praise. Anyway you bless the Lord, I'll be satisfied. Anyway you do it, I'll be satisfied. I'm going to praise him anyway. Broke, busted, and disgusted, but I'm gonna praise. Praise him with your broke wings. Give God a broke wing. Hallelujah. I feel a Morris Day anointing on me. Somebody say, Give God a. Oh! I gotta close. I gotta bring this thing in for a landing. God said, Once you've landed that business, I don't want you to just be fruitful. I want you to multiply. Touch somebody, tell them, do it again. The Bible says that Jesus was God doing it again. His first son had messed up, but God did it again. If the enemy would have had any sense, he'd have never crucified you. He'd have never fired you from Union Carbide because God, God did that thing. And this morning, I came to tell you, he's getting ready to do it again. But this time, not just through you, but he's going to do it through you. Give God a praise. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hand together and give the Lord a praise in here. Put your hands together and give the Lord a praise in here.
What you have just seen is the Word of God made flesh. You saw three preachers preach on a platform that they didn't build. You saw them stand on a stage that they didn't labor for. You saw them preach on a mic that they didn't have to pay for. You saw them reach an audience of people that they did not amass on their own. What you saw is a prophecy of what is about to happen in your life. God said, I will give you houses that you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't even grow. I'm going to put you in a position that you didn't even have to work for. But somebody's going to lower their wings and you're going to step into your place. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But somebody in this place, you got to get ready because God is going to transport you into something that somebody else built and you're going to step into it and assume the position and understand everything that you went through back in the wilderness was getting you ready for what God is about to release in you. I'm out of time. I've got to stop there. It's been a real joy to share the word of the Lord with you. You're talking about really birthing greatness and getting the next generation in sync and ready for what God is going to do. Stepping onto your wings and experiencing the power of God is what this season is all about. The transference of power. That's why our International Pastors and Leadership Conference has never been more vital or more necessary than it is right now. I want you to make the commitment. I'm going to come when you want to eat. No, this is the time. April 17th through the 21st. I believe that there's going to be a divine impartation that you will not want to miss. Meet us here. You'll be blessed. Is God telling you it's time to leave the nest and soar? There is something in you that God is hatching by the circumstances around you. For your gift to the ministry of any size, you will receive Bishop Jake's message, Hatching Greatness, on CD, as well as our fresh vision for 2018 calendar. You gotta go through changes and metamorphosis. You gotta cry sometimes. You gotta hurt sometimes. You gotta go to bed wanting to quit sometimes. This is not your final dimension. And when your gift is $75 or more, you will receive the life-altering four-CD series Soar, Bishop Jake's book Soar, and Fresh Vision for 2018 Calendar. This is for people who are ready to mount up, not down, up, not down, up, not down. You've been on the ground long enough. It's time to get up in the air. Clear the runway. I'm getting ready to soar. God's adventure awaits you. Take that leap of faith and soar today. It will bring you to another level in your church, in your ministry. You have gone as far as you can go on what you're in right now. Something has got to shift. It was life-changing. I came there looking for something from God, and I found it. When you got two different visions, you have division. All disappointment is controlled by expectation. What I have learned in here I can take back and incorporate in my church. God is going to bring something out of the silence of your life 
that's going to break every yoke, every chain, and every fetter. Touch your neighbor and say, get ready for a shift. This is a place where leaders get reloaded, rejuvenated, refocused. You need to be here. It's so inspirational. Make plans to take your leadership to the next level by registering at pastorsandleaders.org. We can't wait to see what God has in store for you in 2018. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Touch.